Isn't God good? All the time, He is good. Amen. Amen. If you appreciate our worship team, would you just give them a hand this morning? Thankful for their leadership and their sensitivity to what the Spirit of God is doing and guiding as we prepare and they plan and they get everything together so we can come in here in a corporate setting and worship God with all that we have. Amen? Getting back to the basics of giving Him our everything, as we learned last week. I'm so thankful for that. This morning, if you get your outlines out, if you want to take notes, if you're following along, you might have received an email this week with the bulletin. You can fill in your blanks as we go today. We're getting back to the basics. We're going to be in three different passages of Scripture, so you may want to go and find those. They'll be on the screen for you as well, but let me give those to you real quick before I jump into this. First Chronicles chapter 24, 1 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 5, 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 3 is our focus, verses 1 through 5 will be what we're reading. And then 1 Corinthians in the New Testament of chapter 12 is where we're going to be. So you can go in, put a few fingers in your Bible if you want. If you got your phone or your tablet and you're following along there, that's great as well. But we're going to be in various passages because I believe God's Word speaks to us in multiple ways about this basic that we're going to be talking about today. And over the last couple of weeks, we've started this series as we've started the new year to get back to the basics in our Christian life, to walk with purpose as we live out the fundamentals of our faith. In the first week, we talked about one of those fundamentals, one of those basics is is seeking the lost. And we want to seek the lost because we can't just expect the lost to know that they're lost. And we must live our lives in such a way that we seek out those that need Jesus. And then the the second basic that we talked about last week was we need to show God's love, and we do that twofold. One, we can't show others God's love unless we experience it ourselves. And so we must love the Lord our God with everything that we have and love our neighbor as ourself. So I want to ask you, when it comes to the loss, who has God pointed out to you this year? Maybe he's given you a name. Maybe he's given you a family that you can serve, that you can reach out to, that you can begin to love on and pray for. Maybe you've had opportunity this week to be loving God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Maybe he's given you opportunity to be loving others as yourself, to be a good Samaritan and to love others the way that God loves us. Amen? Through all of these basics, we find that the Bible is our handbook for the basics. Amen? It is true. It is active. It is where we can go to get back to the fundamentals. I was blessed to be raised in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm thankful for the heritage that I have, for the legacy that my family is living still today. I grew up in the parsonage, so I've been in church all my life. I can literally say that, except for two days when I was still in the hospital. Day three, I was right there on the second pew with my mom in revival services in the month of May, 1983. I love the church. I love what it's done for for my family and for for myself. And in such a a way, um, I was growing up in the church and I was was a product of Sunday school. And I'm so glad that we're getting ready to resume Sunday school and and another arm of our church. We're coming back to to those basics principles. And I I was eight years old sitting in the Midler class. Anybody remember their Midler class in church? Amen. Thank you for all those Midler teachers. 
And I'm sitting there in front of a flannel graph. How many of you remember flannel graphs? How many of you still see one of those from time to time? you got to search like vintage eBay for flannel graphs nowadays. But I was sitting in front of in our, in our circle and our teacher was presenting the gospel to our class. I'll never forget my teacher. Her name was Bev Gukin. Bev Gukin was her name. I was eight years old and I was sitting there listening to, to Miss Bev teach the lesson and present the gospel. And the Holy Spirit just fell on my, on my life and on my on my mind and my spirit as I received that good news. And I prayed the prayer to receive Jesus as my Savior at eight years old. Never forget it. Never forget it. I knew that at that time in my life, it was time to start living for Jesus. And I wanted to do everything I could as an eight-year-old to live out my life for Jesus. And the primary thing that I knew was going to stop me from that was my sister. And all you brothers said amen. My sister and I did not get along. But I knew if I was going to live for Jesus, I needed to be nice to my sister. And at eight years old, that's how I understood living for Jesus. As I continued to walk that life of living for Christ and doing my best to live for Him as best I knew how and and growing and, and growing in my faith, there was somebody in our church that saw what God was doing in my life. And from the ages of eight to 13, He'd been watching me from a distance to know that God was moving in my life. And I was thankful for this man. As I continued to to walk with Jesus, he began to see fruit coming from my life. And he began to pour into my life and invest in me. He began to spend time with me outside of church. He began to come to my ball games. And he began to pray with me. He began to invite me to go with him when he would do things for the church. And and I was able to go with him and ride along in our van ministry and, and pick up kids to come to church and then it wasn't too much longer after that he began asking me to be an usher in the church. You know, I went to, I went to church and there were times where as an 8, 9, 10, 11 year old that I would rebel on Sunday mornings. You know, I grew up with those rules, you know, what I, we talked about a few weeks ago. And I would wear jeans and a basketball jersey to church. And I, my dad would just cringe, you know. And he told me, he said, you know what, BJ, I want you to help us usher, but I need you to dress a little bit more appropriately. So I did. I did, and I'm so glad those rules are just uh, not eternal, amen? Somebody say amen, come on. You can wear a basketball jersey and go to heaven. So I started, started ushering in the church at, at eight years old. That was kind of, or nine, 10, 11 years old. That was kind of weird to be the pastor's kid and hand the offering plate out, because then they feel obligated to give because you're the pastor's kid, you know what I'm talking about? Um, that was kind of odd. Uh, but then this, this man continued to invest in me. He, he began to ask me to read scripture in Sunday school. He began to lead well. Then as I got older and God began to form his call on my life for ministry, this man began to pour into me and trust me even more and trust the Lord even more. And he began to ask me to, to lead Sunday school class and teach Sunday school. And at 13 years old, he asked me to start preaching in youth group on Wednesday nights. And I couldn't believe it. But this man, he, he began to take me under his wing. He began to walk life with me. He began to, to pour into me. He began to invest in me. He began to show me what it meant to serve alongside him. You see, last week we mentioned some of those people that have impacted and changed our lives to make us who we are today. You can probably think of some of those same people that have taught you something in life. 
They've helped you to learn how to apply it in your life. Maybe your mom or dad has taught you how to cook or bake, and that's become something you enjoy doing. Maybe somebody taught you how to play sports, and you enjoy sports to this day. Maybe somebody in church has let you come alongside them and serve with them. Whether it's school teachers or bosses or parents, grandparents, friends, we can all probably place somebody in our life that has showed us the basics about serving together. There's so many things that we can do in life. Many things we are taught, many, some things that we're gifted at, and even others that we're not very capable at, but we'll give it our best shot anyway. Amen? There's so much to be done in the world and in our church today. And I want you to know today, if you know nothing else today, learn nothing else today, every one of you, every one of us, has a role to play. Everybody said amen. There's so many jobs to be done, and the reality is that every person must play a part if we're going to experience all that God has for us. And God shows us in our text today, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we all have a role to play in serving together. So I want you to turn to the book of 1 Chronicles. We're going to start there. I want to give you a little backstory before we get to chapter 24. In chapter 22, if you go back and look at 1 Chronicles 22, King David is presenting a list of everything that needs done. He's presenting a list to the families, to the, to the tribes. He's telling them these are the tasks that every tribe and every person is responsible for. He's giving the duties to the priests, to the musicians, to the gatekeepers, to the treasurers and other officials, including military and every little detail that you can imagine. King David is laying it all out. And then we get to 1 Chronicles 24, verse 5. And we read this. All tasks were assigned to the various groups by means of sacred lots. You get that for a minute, okay? Sacred lots means that they were trusting God to give them this direction. Sacred lots so that no preference would be shown. For there were many qualified officials serving God in the sanctuary. Then we skip ahead to 2 Chronicles. And we read about the preparation for the Passover in the temple. So another festival that's going on. And we read this from 2 Chronicles 35 verses 1 through 5. Then Josiah announced that the Passover of the Lord would be celebrated in Jerusalem. And so the Passover lamb was slaughtered on the 14th day of the first month. Josiah also assigned the priests to their duties and encouraged them in their work at the temple of the Lord. He issued this order to the Levites, who had been set apart to serve the Lord and were teachers in Israel. Since the ark is now in Solomon's temple and you do not need to carry it back and forth on your shoulders... Spend your time serving the Lord your God and his people Israel. Report for duty according to the family divisions of your ancestors and following the written instructions of King David of Israel and the instructions of his son Solomon. Then stand in the sanctuary at the place appointed for your family division and help the families assigned to you as they bring their offerings to the temple. You see, we see many duties and responsibilities being applied here and assigned and many things that are going on. And if one of them slips up, if one of them is not done, nothing will be as it's supposed to be. You see, we see that the body, even in the Old Testament, was trying to work together to serve 
God together. And then I want you to flip over to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a long passage, but it's worth the read. So we're going to read it today. I'm going to read it to you. You follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of only one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Mm. I like what the translation, the New Living Translation says there. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. What is God saying to us this morning? Would you pray with me? God, would you speak your word to us? Would you open our ears? We've, we've got an introduction of what's coming, and Lord, some of us probably have already turned off. We don't need to hear another message about this. But God, you've laid this word on our hearts today. And we want to be obedient with it. May the miracle of preaching take place. May it be your word that resonates in our hearts and minds that we listen to and obey. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Use it and bless it, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. God is telling us today, he's reminding us today that there's so much work that needs to be done. However, we must begin to work together to accomplish God's will. In other words, we must get back to the basic of serving together. The first thing we need to know about serving together is is this, and it's coming straight from the word of God. 
we have all been given the gift of the Spirit. We have all been given the gift of the Spirit. Let me explain that a little bit more. I know who I'm preaching to today, and that's why I said we all have, okay? Here's the thing. Something happens when we begin to seek people that are lost. Something happens when we begin to go out and we find the hurting and the broken and we begin to show them God's love. Something begins to happen because they see their need for what we have. They see that they are missing something. And as we begin to seek them out and we begin to live life with them, we begin to show them God's love. We begin to care for their needs. We begin to bandage the hurting and the broken. We begin to get dirty. Then eventually, I believe, these basics come into play and God's grace begins and continues to work. And we see these lost, broken, hurting people come to know the Lord. Amen? Whoa, 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 whoa. The Bible tells us that when every lost person is saved, heaven rejoices. So eventually, if we get back to the basics and we start practicing these things, these people that we're living life with that are lost and they come to know Lord, they become Christians. They become able and become gifted with the same Holy Spirit you and I are gifted with. And we say, Amen. That was a little bit better. Come on now. we got to get excited about lost people. Maybe we're not excited because we haven't seen a lot of lost people come through. God, help us to seek the lost. Help us to show them God's love. Help us to understand that if somebody doesn't know Jesus personally, we have what they need. And we've all been given that same spirit. Here's why I can say that. All of us who have accepted Christ as our Savior... The Bible tells us that we receive the Spirit of God in our lives. This is not a gift that we can earn. This is not a gift that we can give to somebody else. This is something straight from God to each one of us as we accept that gift of salvation. Amen? And we have all accepted it and received it as we have accepted Jesus as our Savior. We're then to realize that since we've been given this same Spirit... This means we are all on the same team. Whew, that's good news. That's good news. There's not three different Jesuses out there, amen? There's not one Jesus that's wearing an orange jersey and we're wearing a blue jersey. That's not happening. There's one team. There's one spirit. There's one source of power. There's one thing and we need to unite together under one name that is Jesus Christ, amen? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the name on the sign is so much as it matters that we're following Jesus. I just heard from somebody this week, we were talking about all of the sorrow and the grief that's happened in, in the last year or so and, and the families that have lost, lost loved ones. And, and I was talking to somebody who had just been to a, a uh, memorial, a graveside service for somebody who was Catholic. And they said to me, Pastor, I believe there's going to be Catholics in heaven. And I said, praise the Lord. Guess what? I believe, David, I believe there's going to be Baptists in heaven. Amen. There may be a few Nazarenes. Amen. It's because we unite under the name of Jesus Christ. We're the same spirit who gives us all that gifting. That means we're all on the same team. We've got to get that. When we realize that we have the same spirit guiding and directing us, we don't have to fight against one another. We're on the same team. And as we surrender our lives, you see, just because we're on the same team, 
it doesn't just come naturally that we work together well. Okay? It doesn't just come naturally that your gift is shown and, and my gift is shown and automatically they just come together. That just doesn't, that's not, that's not how it always works. That's ideally how we want it to work. But sometimes it's a struggle to work together even though we're on the same team. Let me give you an example, okay? I, know, I don't know if many of you, if you do this or not. My, my boys like, to, like basketball and so we follow basketball. And, and my, my oldest, Ian, he comes to me all of us in the home, and he'll tell us the latest breaking news of all that's going on in the NBA. And there's times when I say to Ian, Ian, we just don't care today, okay? I'm glad you care. I'm glad you're passionate about it. We just don't care today. But there's times when Ian comes to us and he says to us, you know what, this person, just this week, this person got traded to this other team, and now they've got this, this great team of, of great talent. And I said to him, you're putting this person with his great talent, with these people, with their great talent, and they don't really mesh. I think, they'll correct me later if I'm wrong, I think my boys are starting to re realize that old dad knows some things, even about sports. And I said to him, I said, there's going to be some hard times that this team's going to face because this guy is a superstar. And this guy needs the ball in his hands. And he likes to dribble it. And he likes to dribble it some more. And he likes to dribble it till the ball gets flat. And then these other guys that are good shooters and good scorers, guess what? Guess who has the ball? Not them. And so just because all of these great talents are together doesn't mean they're going to work together well. And it's the same thing in the church. You know, Paul just mentioned all of these gifts that we've been given. Some of us are apostles, teachers, prophets, speaking in tongues, all of these different gifts. And just because we have them doesn't mean we mesh well together. And so we have to be very careful that we remember just because we're not meshing well together doesn't mean we're not on the same team still. In other words, we've got to do our best to continue to realize we've got to get back to the basics of serving God, not as an individual with our super talent and our super gift, but we've got to get back to the basics of serving God together. All of us in. All of us giving what God has given us. You see, when we realize we're on the same team, we've got to commit to God that we're going to be sold out for Him. We must surrender our desires to him for his will in our lives. We must surrender our agenda, our gift that he's given us. Some people might say, well, he gave me the gift. I need to use it. Yeah, he did. But that doesn't mean you have to use it all the time. That means that if you're using it all the time and you're an I, that means we're not going anywhere because there's no feet. That means if you use your gift all the time and you're a hand, that means we don't know what we're doing because the eyes can't work. You see, you can't use your gift and just dribble the ball out. we got to pass it to one another. we got to surrender our will. And that's a, that's a simple way of saying when we on the same team that have received the same spirit surrender our lives and our gifts back to God, we then sanctify the church. Sanctification is all about surrender. It's about being set apart. Well, we can't be set apart if we hang on to it. And so when we're the same, where the same spirit has gifted us, we're on the same team. If we don't surrender that back to him, 
we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep fighting against the things that we don't need to fight against. The Bible says, God said to this to his people in Leviticus, and he says it again in the New Testament in James, he says, be holy, therefore, because I am holy, God speaking. He's telling us, the team, you need to be holy because I'm holy. I'm requiring you to look like me. That's hard for us to get sometimes because we can't be God. We can't, we're, but we're striving for that. Boy, I, I'm, I'm going off track here, but I think it's good, okay? The gift of the Spirit has been given to us. And God says, I've given you this amazing gift. But if you don't give it back to me and surrender, it's not going to be to the potential that I need it to be. You see, we're on the same team, and that's exciting. We've been given the gift of the same Spirit. But what we need to realize is that there's another, there's another learning point that must go on here. Once we've surrendered our gifts and our team to God, we must realize the difference between unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. In the church today, we look around and we see so many different people with so many different characteristics and traits, gifts and abilities. All of these people, all of you are made in the image of God. And everybody said amen. All of you who have received Jesus Christ have been given the same spirit. Amen. And you've been given a gift. However, we look around and we see one another and we see how different we are. <laughs> we look around and we see somebody who's talented at this and maybe sometimes we think, well, if God would have just given me that gift. Or, or we see somebody over here and they're doing a good work and, we, and, and maybe we are able to encourage them and uplift them and say, man, I'm so glad it's, God's given you that gift and we can assist them and help them. And then there's sometimes there's people that just say, you know what, I don't know what gift God's given me. We, did, we just took these church survey results and some of the results came back from some of you that said, you know what, I would like to go and discover what my gifts are. And so I want you to know, as, as, as your pastor, we're going to be starting a group that's going to discover spiritual gifts. So you can discover the gift that God has given you. Why? So you can hang on to it and hoard it? No. So you can begin to be a part of the team that uses your different gift to help the team succeed. Amen? The basic is that we got to do it together. And so we're looking for the opportunities to discover our gifts, why? So we can use them for his glory and honor. Let me tell you something that's very important about unity and diversity, okay? Unity without diversity produces uniformity, okay? Unity without diversity produces uniformity. And let me go on to say this. Uniformity in the church will produce death. Unity without diversity. What does that mean? That means we're all on the same team. We've all been given a gift and we need to use it and quit fighting with the team. Amen? Quit dribbling your ball. And don't take your ball and go home. That's not what this message is about. Amen? But unity, when it's used in diversity, meaning we're all different, we all have different gifts, it's going to be life-giving. It's going to give the church life and abundance. And God's going to be able to use us to do more than we could ever ask or imagine in our own strength and power. And all the people said amen. 
But if we become united and we begin to all do the same thing and we become without diversity, we all try to do each other's gifts and we become uniform in the church, the church will die. In other words, if you believe that your spiritual gift is sitting on the pew and coming every week and we all begin to do your spiritual gift, the church will die. If you believe that your gift is to teach Sunday school and you're the only one that teaches Sunday school and you're the only one that does it every week and every time it's offered and everybody else just consumes, consumes, and consumes, then guess what? Our spiritual gift of consumption, we're going to get fat and you're going to get burned out and nobody else is going to do anything and guess what? The church will die. So unity without diversity produces uniformity. We don't all want to be the same. We're on, we have the same spirit. We're on the same team, but we don't have the same gifts. We can't be uniform in the church. We can't all come in dressing alike. We can't all come in looking alike. We can't all come in doing the same thing. We must have a balance. You see, life is a balance between unity and diversity. Unity and diversity. And since we realize that we're united and we're sold out for God's will, we cannot begin to say we don't need certain things or we don't need that thing or we don't need this gift. No, we can't do that. Because life is a balance between unity and diversity. But here's the key for us in the church. Spiritual maturity keeps us balanced. Spiritual maturity keeps us balanced. Well, pastor, we're talking about getting them back to the basics. The basics is not maturity. Yeah, I get that. And so we got to keep going, right? We get to the basics because sometimes we lose sight of what's really important. And we're too busy over here using our gift, and God may be blessing it, but we're dribbling too much. Spiritual maturity keeps us balanced. Spiritual maturity happens as we continue to take the next step in our journey with Jesus, no matter what that step is. So for some of you, you may not know what your gift is, and that next step is when that class is offered, you better sign up. Maybe some of you, you know your gift, and you're waiting for an opportunity to serve. Hang on, I got some good news for you later on. Maybe some of you don't know that you've even accepted this gift yet. And you come in and you're not wearing the same jersey because you haven't accepted to be on the same team yet. Well, then the next step for you is to surrender to Jesus and accept his gift. Amen? We all have different gifts and different talents. It's easy for us to use those for our own strength, our own power, our own agendas at times. But we need to be reminded today that we are not all preachers. We are not all teachers. We are not all caregivers. We are not all singers. Somebody say amen. amen. The Lord says, or the Bible says to make a joyful noise. I'm so glad he included all of us in that. But he did not give us all the gift of singing. I'm so glad that we all have a voice to speak. I'm so glad that we all can use our words to communicate, but guess what? We're not all called to preach. God has given you a gift. Are you using it? And since we're not all gifted in the same way, 
We all are dependent upon one another. And when we get back to the basics of serving God together, the result will be that we as a church and we as individuals are fulfilling God's will. And spiritual maturity keeps us balanced. So then the question becomes, how long do we keep doing the basics? Good question. I'm glad you asked. If you look at God's word in Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from start to finish. Endurance. This isn't just a one and done deal, folks. How long do we keep doing the basics? We do them as long as it takes. How long do we have to go back to the basics when maybe we've gotten too far and too out there? As often as it takes. When we need that reminder of what matters most, we go back to the basics. And we run the race with purpose and endurance. We run with the finish line marked out, and that finish line is heaven. And guess what? When we're all on the same team, this race means none of us really get to experience all that it has for us unless we cross together. Well, pastor, my loved ones have gone on before me. I know it, but the Bible says they're waiting for us. They're in this crowd of witnesses. And that there's coming a day when the judgment day will come, when the dead in Christ will be raised first. Amen? They're waiting for us. And then we will join them. And we will cross the finish line together. Don't you like to win? I'm getting goosebumps just talking about this. I can't wait to cross that finish line. And as I look to my left and I look to my right, I see my brothers and sisters who have run the race with endurance. I see my sister down there. I see Jack Kirk. I see Joanne Hill. I see Larry Harshman. I see so many that have gone before us. And I say, woohoo, we did it. Because we all made it together. Why? Because we learned that we got to run with endurance. We got to keep going. When life punches us, we got to get back up. When things don't go the way that we've planned, we got to switch gears. When somebody's over here dribbling too much, go take the ball from them. Come on. In the light of love, saying we want to do this together. Amen? Getting tired. Got to keep going. That's what I'm preaching about, right? (laughs) When we find and seek the lost, we're invested our time and our efforts in their lives. We show them God's love and they are in Christian service alongside us. They be, we become like that man in that church in Pueblo, Colorado. Saw a young kid. Said, I want him to learn. I want him to grow. I want him to walk in step with what the Lord's calling him to do. And I want to do anything I can to help him. Why did he ask me to usher? Guess, he was an usher. Why did he ask me to read scripture in Sunday school? He was teaching Sunday school. Why did he ask me to preach on Wednesday nights? He was leading youth group. 
What are you doing today that you can teach somebody to come alongside you and do? We're on the same team. We must serve together. Do we ever stop the basics? Have we ever fully arrived? No. Hebrews says we run with endurance. The race marked out for us. So what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us today? I want to give you one last question to think about. What body part are you for the church? What body part are you for the church? What job are you serving God with today? You might say, well, Pastor, COVID's kind of changed where I served and what I did. I get that. So what are you looking to do? How are you looking to use your gifts? What can you teach someone to do that you're doing now? How can you serve each other to better advance God's kingdom and his church? You see, I believe we have to be living out our relationship with God actively. We must be taking the next step. We do that by following Christ's example to begin serving. Jesus said to his disciples over and over, he said, I did not come, the Son of God, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. If Jesus served others and he gathered people to do it with him, shouldn't we follow in line? What are we going to do about what we've heard? Let me tell you one last story and then I'll get you out of here. I was uh, in between assignments. We had just taken a, a uh, we had just resigned our position as youth pastors in Derby, Kansas. And um, we were in between what God wanted us to do next. And so Alicia and I started attending my dad's church in Wichita, Kansas. And we started going to their church and we were just uh, lay people in the church, going to church and uh, trying to get involved and find a small group to plug into and try to find places to serve. Well, one of the things they were doing at that time for men's ministry is they were doing a weekly basketball game. And so I started to go play basketball with the guys. And I remember going to the, to the, the ball game one night and we we're out there playing and this guy who's out there who's a part of our church and he just didn't seem to have things polished up according to me, if you know what I mean. He was in our church, and I'd see him on Sunday worshiping. I'd see him doing different things. Well, then when we got on the basketball court, man, he was breaking all those rules that I was raised with. He was saying words that I couldn't say. His attitude was an attitude that I just didn't think was right for, for church. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to put my big boy pants on. I'm going to go complain to the pastor because I have a good relationship with him. We've got an end. So I went into my dad's office and I said, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. You've got a leader in your church who's not living the life of Christ. My dad graciously listened to me complain. He listened to me rant and rave about somebody else not doing what I thought they should be doing. And he just sat in his chair and he just listened. He didn't say a word. Finally, after I'd got done with my rant, he looked at me. He said, BJ, are you done? I said, yeah, just thought you should know. This guy you've got leading in the children's department, just he doesn't talk like he should. He doesn't act like he should. He goes, well, at least he's doing something for the Lord. What are you doing? 
He said he's doing all he knows to do to live a life for Christ. Because you don't know his background. You don't know what he's been through. You don't know the words that are spoken in his home. But he's out here trying. He's out here giving God everything he knows to give. What are you doing? He looked at me and he said, BJ, you have a call to ministry. What are you doing? I wasn't doing anything. I was playing basketball and complaining about others. So that question I want to pose to you today. What are you doing for God? What are you doing for God? Here's the good news. If you are not doing something for God, but you know you could be or you should be, or or maybe the Holy Spirit is working on you today and you want to, amen? You have a desire to get involved. Guess what? We've got opportunities for you. I want to call it the PCN job board. Here's the pay and the benefits, okay? The pay is unlimited joy for the Heavenly Father. The benefits is eternal impact on lives. That's so good. Here it is. I think we have a slide for it, don't we? PCN Job Board. It's in your bulletin as well. Sunday school teachers. We're starting Sunday school back up. And with all that's going on, we do have some classes that still need help. Pastor, you tell us this all the time. Yeah, we do. But when we had a church meeting and we said, you know, what are some things we can do better to help you know? It's one of the things that came back and said was we need to know what the needs are. Well, we have a bulletin that goes out every single week. We have an email list. We have a call list. We have a Facebook page, two of them actually. We have a website. And now I'm preaching about it. You might say, Pastor, I'm tired of hearing this. I've already put in my time. Are you still living? What are you doing for God? Sunday school teachers, you don't have to lead Sunday school. There's Sunday school teachers that want to help you, that they want to teach you. They want to come alongside you and let you watch them and and let you learn from them. And then they can kind of let you go and they'll watch you. And then guess what? Maybe you could partner together so some of you might even get to come to church and be fed once in a while. Amen? Maybe the Lord's laying it on your life and your heart that you have a gift of taking care of kids or adults and you have a gift of helping them, maybe Sunday school teachers for you. Next one, nursery workers. One of the biggest needs that we have as as a church board and a leadership team when we talk about the ministry scheduling is what are we going to do with the nursery? And we've said to you, especially during COVID, as long as we have workers for the nursery, we will have nursery ministry. So we need some more help. We need some of you that are gifted in caregiving. We need some of you that are gifted in, in loving on other people's children. We need some of you that are willing to get dirty in the nursery. Amen? Let's do the next one. Children's church helpers. Quizzing. I had this put on here already. I had it all ready to go for today. And we had our board meeting and we got home Thursday night. And Alicia said to me, she goes, you know what? You can go ahead and put children's church workers on there. I said, I already did. I already did because I know it's still a need. Why? Because you don't get to see Alicia in here very often. She doesn't, get to, she doesn't get to be fed, and I'm not trying to guilt trip you. I'm just trying to say she loves what she does. She loves ministering to our kids, and she's a great team player because she knows where her gift is. But she needs you to come alongside her so she can pass you the ball. So if you love children, if you have a desire to, to help them grow in their faith and to be blessed because they're going to bless the socks off of you, 
Talk to Pastor Alicia about helping in children's church or quizzing. What's the next one? Samaritan's Closet Volunteers. Pastor, this keeps coming up and up and over and over. Yeah, it does. Why? Because it's a viable ministry in our church. It's one of those ministries that's still doing something to help our community every single week. Well, Pastor, I can't pray with somebody. I can't be front lines and and tell my testimony and help them, lead them to the Lord or pray with them. I can't do that. That's okay. That's okay. We get so many donations. Maybe your gift is you know how to fold that shirt perfectly. Or you know how to use a hanger. Anybody in here know how to use a hanger? Be careful if you raise your hand. Anybody know how to use a hanger? Nobody knows how to use a hanger. Are you kidding me? Sandy, I'm sorry. (laughs) If you know how to use a hanger, you can help in Samaritan's Closet. Let's go to the next one. Youth workers and sponsors. We have a wonderful staff, don't we? We have a wonderful staff, don't we? Amen. Pastor Greg does a wonderful job with our youth and our teens. Janine helps him. If you go down there on a Sunday night, there's not too many more, sometimes a few more that are there. Michelle's there, sometimes I'm there, sometimes not too many more. If you didn't know it or realize it, Pastor Greg's gone right now. He's handling congregation number one that's more important right now. Amen? So we need your help. Our teens want to love on you. If you have a gift to work with young people, let us know. Let's go to another one. Decorating team. Didn't, didn't Risa do a great job with Christmas? Amen. Yes. She took down Christmas. I came in the next day and I was like, oh. I'm not going to ask you if you felt the same way. So why not help? If you have the gift of decorating and you can make this place come to life a little bit more all throughout the year, not just at Christmas, let us know. You don't have to be in front of people. You don't have to get all the recognition. We'll even keep it private if you want. But if you have a gift of it, we'd love to use you for the Lord and for the team. Amen? Finally, the last one I want to mention today, counters, Sunday and Wednesday. We used to call them ushers. We need some help, don't we, Dion? We need some help. We need some people to help us. We need some people that will be here on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesday that can help us to count people and to take numbers and keep records. And guess what? If the pastor doesn't mention your name, which usually doesn't happen about those people that do that job, and I did it today and I'm sorry, but nobody has to know. You can be the greatest behind-the-scenes worker because God's gifted you there. We need your help. We need your help. So I'm presenting the needs to you today. Amen? You can't say you don't know because now you know. And as NBC used to say, the more you know, you're accountable for what you know. Okay? Amen? So the basic that we're getting back to is here's what I want us to do. We need to begin with prayer. We, meet, we need to commit to give God our best. And we need to begin to ask him to show us what he wants to do. Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? As you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to close in prayer. And if you can agree with me in this prayer, I want you just to pray along and agree with me in your heart and in your mind. Father God, today we come to you as Christians, as Christ followers, 
fully surrendered to you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for gifting me. Thank you for giving me a team to play on. God, I pray that you'd help us all to get back to the basics of serving you together. May we become united in using our different gifts for your kingdom's sake and for your glory. May you impress upon us where we can do something for you. And God, I pray that your promise would still ring true as it always has and it's never failed. You will be with us always. Thank you for that, God. Help us as we leave this place today to be constantly talking to you about what you'd have us to do next so that we can take that next step and help somebody else take the next step in their faith journey. We love you. We give you praise and thanks for what you're doing in in the midst of your church, PCN, and your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you. We'll see you tonight for groups.